There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays or SGPs as the kids like to call them all on one page plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win so download the app today and bet with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook the ringer is committed to responsible gaming please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details must be 21 plus 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. I've been in pajama pants all fucking day. That's the life so, right there. That's I don't the know life. If it's, I don't know if it's the life, but it's the life I chose. <laughs> no, that's fact, the life. I, the life I chose, too. <laughs> Even if you have to go out, if you can go out in pajama pants, psh. <laughs> Chill out, Jesse. Hey, man, I'm in a late, bro. I'm it's, still, it's, still, it's I'm still, still nah, nah, I'm still black. Yeah, I'm still black. Like, you know, you know our, 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 our fellow whites have cornered the market on going outside in pajama pants. I remember I used to go to school and be like, God damn, y'all could just brush your teeth and pull up, huh? You, just, you ain't got to worry about a damn thing. Like, ah, uh, uh, the pleasures of being uh, the Caucasian persuasion. And I find no better note to start. Uh, <laughs> episode 86. Is that what this is? Is it 85? 85. Ah, 85. I almost nailed it. Episode 85 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. Of course, the fellas are here. Jesse Lopez and Chris Tannehill. Steve Cerruti is somewhere lurking in the shadows. You know, I figured on Sundays, and, and you know, <laughs> no better time than now than to start it, uh, to have more like a conversational kind of vibe, right? Because I come into this pod Every single, every single episode, like, all right, what do we need to hit? How do we need to hit it? 
how hard do we need to hit it? You know, all this other stuff. And it's like, eh, you know, let me just talk to my guys, you know, especially since, you know, there might be some some news here soon <laughs> about the pod. So, Chris, Jesse, always good to see you guys, man. Um, my day has been quite relaxing. Got a chance to hoop with the fellas early on this morning and uh, came home and been hanging with the kid ever since. And kid threw a knuckleball at me today, boys. Oh, uh, yeah. So our dog, uh, who has been boarded for the last you know few days or so, uh, will go pick her up from the uh, kennel spot, whatever you call it. And they tell me, yeah, your dog might have a UTI. And I'm like, oh, that's no good. All right. So because you don't want the kidneys on the dog to be messed up. Right. So I pick her up and I see what they were talking about. They sent me a picture. I'm like, oh. That's no UTI, friends. That is the first period of a pit bull. <laughs> that is the <laughs> that is the first cycle of, of a pit bull, you know? And insert all your jokes right there if you want to, you know, about what you call female dogs and any kind of weird manly menstrual cycle joke that you feel like you need to get off on your head. You know, knock yourself out. Uh, please don't say it at work. Please don't say it to your friends. In fact, kill the thought right now after you just had it, okay? I'm just trying to save you um, because Lord knows I don't want you to get canceled and I don't want... Maybe I do want y'all to get canceled. Maybe I do need to get canceled, you know? I, if I can get canceled like Louis C.K. and win a Grammy, then, you know, I'm cooking with gas. <laughs> Remember all that? Where is Louis going to be able to do his comedy? You guys aren't helping comics just be themselves. Nobody can get a second chance. All, this man's winning a Grammy <laughs> on, this, on this glorious Sunday evening. But yeah, my dog had his first menstrual cycle. I know that's why. That's not why you pulled up, right? That's not why you pulled up to the full go. Why you pulled up to the full go is life moments like these. When I have to put a diaper on a pit bull, okay? So the, so the pit bull won't be spotting around the house. And the five-year-old, my man, you hear him on this pod all the time, Jace Goff, you know, a star, a legend in the making. Um, he walks up, observant kid, always asking questions, and he goes, hey, dad, why is there a diaper on the dog? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is a question for, and I look around and <laughs> P is cooking. You know, his mom ain't talking to me. I'm like, oh shit, I'm all out of women. <laughs> I'm all out of women who can give him, <laughs> give him the advice that he needs, give him the direction that he needs. <laughs> She's bleeding, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grab back what I remember. So, man, but you know, I don't want to set a bad precedent. <laughs> I don't want to set a bad precedent. I don't want for his first interaction with his first lady friend down the line, if that's if that's the route he so chooses or the route that chooses him. You know, I got to be very careful in these days and times. So if that's the route that chooses him, I don't want him to harken back to, you know, I remember in 2022 when I learned what a menstrual cycle was <laughs> and, and how I was taught to deal with it. You know, <laughs> Uncle Chris told me to take it out back and shoot it. <laughs> well, I was just going through like the the process of talking to a kid. Like, first, like, oh well, she's just bleeding a little bit. Yeah, and then, they, then they freak out. Like, oh right. no, why? <laughs> then, yeah, that's because as soon as as soon as I said it, he was like, oh no, she's bleeding. Because 
he knows bleeding means pain. Death. Bleeding means <laughs> death at some point, right? He's watched enough of these Marvel movies that he's not supposed to watch at the age of five, right? He knows if you start to bleed, you know, if it, if it bleeds, <laughs> we can kill it. You know what I mean? He knows the vibes. So I'm staring a five-year-old in the eyes, right? I'm, I'm 41, as I've mentioned several times on this podcast. And if you put together a bingo card yet of this podcast, you could... Uh, you could put obviously as the center square. That's when I get in my bag where I'm like, you know what I'm talking about, even if I'm not explaining it correctly. The obviously square, it should be three of those on your bingo card, right? And then you should get the 41-year-old reference, right? If I mentioned my age, you should be able to take a shot. But I'm staring this kid in the eyes. He's staring me back in the eyes, looking for knowledge. I'm staring him in the eyes, wondering how much knowledge I can give him, to be honest with you. I'm still foggy on the whole cycle situation. I know... You know, once a month, <laughs> other than that, you know, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you know, I've dealt with people where it wasn't that frequent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know what to tell the kid, right? I don't want to set him up to, to have these unnecessary thoughts and unnecessary feelings. So quickly, he grabs a lightsaber and runs out the room. I'm like, ah, Star Wars saved me again. Then he comes back 10 minutes later and I'm looking at him dead in the face again. And I'm like, hey, man, we can't keep having this standoff. Obviously, daddy doesn't know how to explain a mention cycle to you and you probably shouldn't know that because i know you're gonna take this to school or to your mama and it ain't good on either on either level you know let's 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 keep it let's keep it locked in let's keep talking about other things how's t-ball you know how about those white socks chase you know we, we would you like to watch some more basketball i tried to get it off to sports but he stared me down and then it was like a the like a you know a, a gunslinger showdown right at the okay corral i'm staring at him he's staring at me and he's like ah pops doesn't have it and he walked away and i felt like a, less of a man in that moment <laughs> i felt like i let my guy down so i'll ask you guys you know you you are you know one one is like a, a real uncle and the other one is like an internet uncle now jesse he's seen <laughs> you several times so um how do you explain that situation or how I don't even say how would you explain that situation because I'm sure you guys wouldn't find yourself in the situations that I found myself in. But how do you go about explaining something to a child that you know they're going to repeat, but you also know that you're not going to nail? Yeah, that's a that's a tough spot because your Jace is still so young, you know. Like you wonder how much he can, how much he'll actually be able to process. So you can give him the best answer in the world, but what he'll process and what he'll regurgitate are like two separate things. So and the I, regurgitation is the shit that I'm worried about, Chris, because I know yeah, he's um, going to head to school tomorrow and ask every person, including all the women who are teaching him on a daily basis about menstrual cycles. So I'm hoping it's out of him, but I understand that my kid likes to keep secrets until he doesn't keep them anymore and then he just pops them on you at the at the, the, the I, sometimes the the least opportune time i think that's gonna happen like, so. like a real man yeah man like I've, I've got a daughter so we had this come up not not too you know, pretty recently, like this conversation came up naturally. The, you know, the girls were gabbing away as they're one to do. And so like my my little girl is seven, about to be eight next month. So we were able to get ahead of this conversation, the the female reproductive conversation. And I got to stay out of it, luckily, um, you know, and even as a seven year old, she was kind of scared by the whole concept. So that's why Jace being a little bit younger, I could imagine how he would take it. So, I, you know, I, whatever your response was, you, I know you're a good dad. 
So I, I will assume that your response was sufficient enough. As if he picked up that lightsaber and ran out of the room, that that's what we do as men. We, that's we, it. We, we don't confront our problems head on. We just so I find something to distract us, and we'll process it later on, and we'll probably inflict some emotional pain on someone oh, down the road buddy. because of it. Uh, he's he's a wreck in his bunk bed right now. I'm sure he is. And and I got to be honest with you, if he didn't grab the lightsaber and ran out the room, I was going to. So so it was. I'm, I'm glad he got a chance to play with his toy on the way out because I definitely was going to grab the green lightsaber and run the fuck out of the living room, hoping that I'd never have to explain to him what a menstrual cycle is. So uh, I think I passed daddy in like one-on-one in that moment, but you know, you, you well, should just uh, be blessed because I'm back when I was a kid um, and we had a, a, a female dog in the house. They didn't, I think that this, this predated dog doggy diapers so mm. like they didn't have doggy diapers back in those days so you had to cover up all your furniture with old bed sheets and you mm-hmm. talk about white trash living right there <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what it was so you're lucky you'd be lucky that you're in, in these modern times and you, and, you know you've, you've got a doggy diaper and you can really just say oh she's she's bleeding a little bit but she's okay it's totally natural female dogs do this and we're, we're fine everything is yeah fine. yeah yeah I'm, I'm lucky to have dr pio on my team because immediately she hopped to it. She saw she saw a spot on her hardwood floor, and she's like, "Oh no, no, no! We I got to go to PetSmart now." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Hey, don't don't let me get in your way of of making that run. Okay, I'll be here with the five year old who doesn't understand. You gonna make that run, and I'll put on diapers on a dog for the next two, three, four days, however long this thing lasts. Right? Like I'm I'm checking in with her. Right? I I you know I got some tea boiling right now for um. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> see if she needs like a warm compress. Uh, probably go play like some Sade downstairs. Uh, you know, put a pillow underneath her. You know what I mean? And you know, yeah, you know, if she's down, you know, put a towel down. You know, just, <laughs> just <laughs> see how she's feeling. Yeah, that was too far. All right, <laughs> now, now on the sports. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We at now Jesse's got a chance to hear both of us. Hear your real time response to it. Hear oh my my, my half baked. You know, even with having a lead up time to react to it, still not knowing the right answer. So I want to hear Jesse's uh, Jesse's oh, father. Okay, how, how would you handle this, Jesse? Right, right. As, as a person who doesn't have to be responsible for another young life right now, what what advice can you give us two dads? So we can ruin I would, our kids? I'm gonna keep it real simple because this this is exactly what I do. Nothing. I'd be fucked. There'd be absolutely nothing I would do. <laughs> I would start looking through my phone you and just, just calling kid. people. Be like, all right, my mom, mom, come on. Mom, mom, she got to answer her phone. She got to oh, answer her phone. No. No, my sister, my oh, sister, no. right, right. my sister-in-law, my niece, my niece. My so niece these are things enough. that we just hand off. <laughs> we just hand off to uh, the fairer well, sex and have them describe this for us, right? I think so. I mean, for yeah. me... No one told me. I found. I heard and I found all about this in school. No one told me no shit. No one told me. So, you have a penis. Why would anybody have to tell you? You just found well, out like, right like now. In this, like, this matter. This He's exact like, oh, matter. Shit. I didn't go like, and oh, ask. Shit. Dogs <laughs> have it too? <laughs> Chase does not, not only have to explain it to his son, but explain it to his producer. <laughs> to Jesse. He's got to explain it to <laughs> Now Jesse can get some hot dogs and get underneath the Spider-Man blanket and call it a night. <laughs> All right. I have a All Batman right. blanket. Thank you very you, much. See, there you go. You look like a Batman guy. I could I, 100% I would have pegged you as a Batman dude. All right. On to the old sports room. Time for some commercials. 
Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Pools Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. All right, guys. We're here again. The Bulls just aren't good enough to beat good teams. And no matter which way you want to slice it, whether it be injuries, um, defense, your top three players um, having something going on right now at each at each stop, whether it be DeMar DeRozan and how he's being defended differently, even after the 50-point uh, explosion against the Los Angeles Clippers, Zach Levine is out there gutting it out with that knee. And I don't, if you're reading between the lines of these last few pods, um, understand that, that Zach Levine is out there gutting it out with that knee. And I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Um, teams are understanding of his knee injury and they're trying them in different ways. And if you're watching it the way that you should be watching it, you're seeing exactly what they're doing and what they're forcing him to do and how they're forcing him to move around. So um, Kobe White has been horrible from deep as of late. There's a point where he was, what, three for his last 23 from deep. The Miami Heat came into this game with all cylinders clicking. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference record-wise. Um, they got the whole Heat culture thing going for them, and Sometimes I wonder if it's just a buzz phrase, a catch, a catchphrase, buzzword, uh, cliche, or if it's really real. And if you didn't realize how real it was, the separation between the Heat and the Chicago Bulls was evident. They play with an intensity and a discipline and a never letting go of the rope kind of mentality that very few teams play with. And they kind of have to because they're not a team that's going run you out of the gym scoring-wise. They, they don't even play that kind of game. You know, they, they, they're around 105, 108 points. They scored 127. And that's because Tyler Hero went crazy. That's because Kyle Lowry is who's... And I'll, and I'll be the first to raise my hand. I didn't know if the difference between Kyle Lowry and Goran Dragic was as vast as the differences in their pay. And now looking at it, Kyle Lowry has been allowed to take care of his body throughout this season. Um, it's a dude who is a tough defender. It's a dude who is a shot maker. It's a dude who's got championship pedigree, right? He won his one with Kawhi Leonard, but he won it. And he knocked on the door several times with DeMar DeRozan at the Toronto Raptor. So Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, who's always down to get to the line and play tough nose, hardcore defense in, in long stretches. Uh, th- that team is ready for the playoffs. And right now, the Bulls are trying to figure it out. All you need to do is look at the standings. The Bulls and the Heat were tied for first place at the All-Star break. And that seems like so long ago. The Bulls right now are hovering around that fifth, sixth spot, you know, waiting for Cleveland to lose so they could clinch that magic number. But this team's going to be the sixth seed or the fifth seed. They're not going to be in a playing game unless this thing all falls down down the stretch here, unless they don't win another game and Cleveland wins out. But what I'm expecting now is for Pat Williams to be in the starting lineup. 
What I'm expecting is for them to stop having Vooch drop so low on pick and rolls and when, when defending them at least. Uh, what I'm expecting is for Kobe White to understand, and, and I think he understands, but to, to seize the moment that he has right now. There's a lot of question marks, and I'm not going to go fast forward even before we hit the playoffs here as a fan base, but there's a lot of question marks going into next season with this team. Your four and five spots are, are uh, how, how should I say this, issues. Pat Williams, do you know enough about him going into a year where you're going to have to extend a qualifying offer? Nikola Vucevic, this last year has shown you exactly what the Orlando Magic knew about him, both on the positive side and the negative side. Are you good enough defensively on the perimeter to have a guy like that be your backline defender? The communication has been an issue all year long. Uh, the way they play pick and roll has been an issue all year long. And then it extends to the coach. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Billy Donovan. It's a guy who lifts your floor, right? It's a guy who develops players. And if you really look at how Billy has interacted with the, the team and also the Oklahoma City Thunder and that stop, Billy Donovan is good for young players. And he also respects veteran professional players so much so that you, I wonder if the consequences are extreme enough for people who don't play the way that he needs them to play. This defense the entire year has had the glaring issue of stopping the pick-and-roll ball handler, making sure that you're not letting guys get into that painted area without at least a hand on his face or a little physicality. That painted area is sacred. And teams like the Spurs, when they were winning, I used to talk to Malik Rose about this all the time on NBA radio back in the day. They would have a foot in the paint mentality. Everybody's got to have a foot in the paint. Figure out where your help is coming from. Force them to your help. Make sure that there's not a lot of action in the paint. All year long, the Bulls have been um, susceptible to paint scoring, whether it be by a big or by a guard. The pick and roll has been the Bulls' worst nightmare. And they got thrown in a few pick and roll situations against the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat showed them also how they should be defending the pick and roll. But the difference is they got Bam Adebayo. At six foot eight, six foot nine, who can guard everybody on the floor, as opposed to a Nikola Vucevic, who's a seven footer, who I think sometimes confidence wanes when defensively he's put in situations that he's not uh, as productive in as he would like to be. So going forward, we, there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about in this offseason. But right now, I, I'm left asking myself are the Bulls good enough? And what is good enough? Because if you're looking at the way that the Boston Celtics have operated and, you know, a buddy of mine on a group text today who's also in the industry, we were talking about the Eastern Conference playoffs a little bit. And he talked about Ime Udoka. And he said that Ime Udoka put his foot in the Boston Celtics roster's ass immediately. Told him, hey, yeah, hey, don't come in here like your shit don't stink. I don't care who's been an all-star. I don't care who's been a six-man, you know, uh, of the year candidate. I don't care who just got big money in the offseason. Y'all got a coach, not fired, but y'all got a coach kicked up <laughs> to the front office. Y'all got the front office dude, uh, you know, looking for another gig. Yeah, I ain't going to do that to me. And he took his lumps throughout the year. And look at what the Boston Celtics have become at the end of the year. Now, you could say, hey, that may be for different reasons. I'll look at it as 
a guy landed on the line and telling you how it is, no matter what kind of star power you have. I'm not saying that Billy Donovan isn't doing that, but even going back to the Oklahoma City days, like it's always seemed like Billy Donovan has been a guy who will allow the best players on this team to shape the identity of the team and then bring along role players and and, uh, developmental prospects. You look at Ayo DeSumo, right? I mean, Ayo DeSumo is one of the steals of the draft, if not the steal of the draft. Getting that kind of productivity out of the dude uh, at the 38th pick of the draft is, you know, he's going to finish all rookie team. If not the first team, definitely the second team. And then the role guys. We were talking about Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green, all these other, Tyler Cook for a few weeks. I mean, we were talking about so many different players. And I think that's all credit to Billy Donovan. But at the same time, everyone sees what's happening on this floor, including Billy Donovan, and especially defensively. Billy Donovan's defenses have never finished, what, lower than 12 or 13 overall net rating? I don't know what this defense is right now. And, and fellas, if you can look that up, to, up for me, I, I know for damn sure it ain't 12th. <laughs> I know for damn sure it ain't 13th, and I would be surprised if it's that. And then on top of it, you've had the offense slow down as well because of the steady diet of hard shots, tough shots, high degree of difficulty shots that they feasted on all year long. And there have been some some famished moments as well. This team is a a good team. This team is a team who beats teams that are uh, worse than them. This team is a team who competes against teams who are at the same level again as them, but this team is not a team that has shown you, and the record, the proof is in the pudding, the record has shown you. They haven't beaten the teams that are better than them. And you might say, oh, Jason, how many times does that happen? It probably happens more than once in the season. Top three of each conference. Top three in the West, top three in the East. I believe the Bulls have one win in like 16, 17 games, something like that. And they have 21st in defensive rating. So if everybody sees it, everybody knows what's going on, how do you fix it? It's up to Billy Donovan. And I think these are the times now where, at the end of last year, I think the Billy Donovan honeymoon was over. But now, going forward, you're going to have people asking, okay, how does Billy Donovan affect this team if defensively you keep seeing the same issues? You know, how is this team affected by the coaching scheme, by the strategy? And offensively, I mean, the DNA of this squad has changed so much throughout the year offensively, whether it be Lonzo Ball pushing the ball up, playing the defense that he's playing, hitting corner threes. He just set a different tenor on the court while Lonzo was out there, right? So him not being out there is a huge, huge loss. And having to play a rookie point guard for a large chunk of the season and and start him, not just play him, but start him, it, it, it says something and it means something. It's not an excuse, but this is the hand that they've been dealt. And they rode that wave as, as, as good as they can. I mean, let's face it, man. This team has played excellent basketball for a quarter of the season. They've played decent basketball for a quarter of the season. And they played average to below average basketball for a half of the season. So where are they and why are they there? Zach Levine's knee. Kobe White's up and down play the loss of Patrick Williams for damn near an entire year except for the last seven, eight games of the season. There's a lot of different things that you could point at here. And I think we're all left wondering how good are the Bulls? The the Bulls are as good as they need to be. And I think that's the problem too. The emphasis or the re-emphasis 
of things that that happened throughout the year and having to tell Patrick Williams that he has to be assertive. I mean, we're we're on three years of this now. Trying to figure out what defense they're playing. Billy Donovan mentioned it in their post-game press conference a few games ago that, hey, man, oh, pre-game press conference, by the way. He, we're, we're not playing to drop defense. Okay, so if you're not playing to drop defense, why does Vooch keep dropping so low? If he's going against what you're asking him to do defensively, then what are the consequences? Tristan Thompson hasn't got a lot of run as of late. I don't know if it's because he's got a nagging injury or whatever the case may be. Like, the rotations have changed a little bit over the last few games, and I know that injuries have been involved, but, you know, put Pat Williams in the starting lineup. You know, I know Javante off the bench uh, is, is, is a lot different, right? Because you got maybe a little bit more scoring prowess out of Pat coming off the bench. But I, I know guys have to earn their minutes, but you also got to get wins. And some of the plays that you saw Pat Williams make, not only in the Clippers game, but also in the Heat game, he just, he's only, he's barely scratched the surface of how good he can be. It's just how much of that surface is real. Because if that dude put his mind to it, he would be a terror, an absolute terror. I'm talking about 19, eight rebounds and, and like three or four assists a game and being one of the better two-way players in terms of defenders in the game. That's what the, pro, the, the, the projection should be for Pat Williams. We shouldn't still be sitting here asking questions about his assertiveness, his aggressiveness, right? His, 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 his willingness to shoot the basketball. Like, kid, you're the fourth pick in the draft. You eat before a lot of people on this team. You know, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and, and Nikola Vucevic are the only ones who could probably turn, turn you down when it comes to getting the ball. Ask for the ball. Go get it. And now is that on Billy or is that on Patrick Williams and his mentality? All I know is this team is a far cry from what we expected them to be at the beginning of the year. And then they showed us something. We reset and recalibrated those expectations. And then they got hurt. Then COVID hit them. They won nine games in a row. They hit the all-star break, banged up, beat up, tired. DeMar DeRozan had eight games where he was out here playing better than Wilt Chamberlain had ever played in terms of his 35-plus point-per-game scoring streak with 50-plus percentage field goal percentage shooting from the field. I mean, you, you don't hear it. You don't see it. From, from all-time great players, not to mention an all-star player in his 12th year. So this, this season is, is written different waves, up and down, up and down. And now at, at the end of this season, you're left asking yourself how they fare in the playoffs. Because right now, if you, if you look around the league, all the best teams are gearing up. These teams are sharpening their swords, right? They, they, they're getting ready to, to get down. These rotations are getting paired back. You're seeing teams with seven, eight-man rotations now. They used to have nine, ten-man rotations. Teams are, are, are figuring out where they need to refine their offense and who needs to stop shooting the ball and who needs to defend better. If this guy can stay on the court, can we keep him on the court? Like, all these things are happening right now, and the Bulls are in this weird um, quagmire of listless basketball at times. And I hate to put it like that, but it, that's exactly what it is. There's some quarters where they just don't have it. And that has to be answered. That has to be answered by Zach Levine. That has to be answered by DeMar DeRozan. That has to be answered by Nikola Vucevic. And that's the answer by Billy Donovan. I'm not putting that on these kids. I'm not putting that on these role players. And I think those three guys, those four guys, has to say, well, I'll take it. They'll all, they'll all assume that position and say, hey, this is just not good enough. 
which is exactly the reason why I'm starting to wonder if the Bulls just aren't good enough. Obviously, for understandable reasons, this whole offseason's been a little jacked up. And, you know, the abbreviated spring, the lack of contact with the players for several months over the course of the offseason has sort of led to this spring training being a little messed up, too, in terms of what we're rhythm and what we're used to doing. Uh, the offseason, for me, or in my opinion, ends opening day. And then, obviously, there's probably going to be fewer transactions over the early part of the season. And before you know it, the opportunity to improve ourselves in June and July will present itself. But from my, from my standpoint or the mentality of everyone in the, in the front office, the offseason's still going at this point. Hey, White Sox fans, Rick Hahn told you to shut y'all bitch asses up, huh? <laughs> Right before, right before the season starts, Rick Hahn's like, hey, by the way, hey, all y'all was talking that shit, go ahead and keep the party going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's bring on A.J. Pollock, huh? Right field. Figure it out. Get a guy who can hit you 20 bombs, you know, knock in about 65, 70 ribs. You know, the, 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 the things that you're looking for in a, in a serviceable right field can get you, get you a gold glove out there, right? White Sox fans is ringing the bells, boy. There was uh, pitchforks and torches. And I'm talking about Chris Tannehill and all hey. of his contingent. Yeah, y'all. Hey, Rick Hahn was sitting in the, And then you know I'm not one to just be like, oh, yay, Rick Hahn. You know Rick Hahn if I, and I have gotten into it on, on a couple of different occasions. The Todd Frazier trade to, to you know, oh, the most I recent. Didn't, I didn't know that. Maybe that's uh, for, oh, another, you don't remember for, that? for another pod here. Um, but, oh, uh, no. But I, the Under Armour store. Yeah, me, <laughs> me, and, me and Rick Hahn having words on, on the air. Like, I, um, I, I don't know if you are upset at me, but it feels like it. I, I like. I, I didn't like, trade for Todd Frazier. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to get to that, how it's going to all come around full circle here with the okay. Todd Frazier trade. I, I like Rick. Rick's a passionate dude, and he's already... No, he's you know, the truth. Yeah. But how long did that You know rap? what he is? He's like White Kenny. If you close... <laughs> If you close your eyes, I'm talking about Kenny Williams, by the way. Like, and I'm not just talking about some like some hype in the alley named Kenny, and I'm just <laughs> comparing him to to Rick Hahn. No, but if you close your eyes, right, you, the same cadence, the same like the same um, verbiage, like the same serious tones when it comes to baseball and the moves that should be made. You know what I mean? It's like on some Morpheus and Neo shit yeah. between those two in the in the front office. Rick, Rick but how Rick's, long did, did Rick's weekend, good weekend last here? Uh, so yeah, White Sox fans, you're waking yeah, up this morning. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. like that was a good day for Rick on Friday. That was a good move acquired. Hell yeah. Jay Pollock for Craig Kimbrell, who immediately went out there and rolled the ball out. And he was trash uh, on Saturday. <laughs> um, you know, so obviously it's just spring. But I had heard reports that the stuff was not looking particularly good. Didn't mm -hmm. see him a whole lot. So the fact that Rick Hahn was able to get anything for Craig Kimbrell uh, is really a miraculous, especially a, a quality veteran who could play good defense like A.J. Pollock and guy with postseason experience. That was a good day for Rick, but it didn't last long uh, with this Lance Lynn news. Man. It, it, was, it was a bad Sunday for White Sox baseball today, man. They lost on the field, which doesn't always mean a lot, but your your opening day starter got pounded a little bit, and you're trying to roll out one of your lefty relievers who's supposed to replace Garrett Crochet, and he got knocked around. And then you get the Lance Lynn injury news. It was a, it was a bad day. So, when I, you know... He's, Rick Hahn's got to make a move, and he said so as much today uh, when the Lance Lynn news came out that he's going to miss uh, at mid -May. least. Yeah, yeah, he'll be back mid-May, and the White Sox do not have 
a particularly easy schedule so far in the the early going here. They've got two trips. Uh, you know, they got to see the Yankees twice, see Boston twice. They got to go at to to Minnesota. They host the Rays. So this is going to be tough. Like you have a, a pitching staff here who is very much shaky. They're on shaky ground right now. You, you mm-hmm. when Lucas Giolito and Dylan, Dylan Cease, when those are your <laughs> when those are your guys, they're like, okay, I know we're good with those guys. But then after that, it's Michael Kopech who. You know, we're waiting to see if he can be stretched out. And so far, he hasn't really pitched a lot this spring. So you don't even know what you're going to see if he's out there uh, the first series of the year, what he's going to be able to give you. And of course, you have Dallas Keuchel, who has been shaky for the last, you know, season plus, you know, uh, really good in 2020, but he's been shaky. But at least he'll take the ball for you. So that's yeah. good. then after that, you've got Ronaldo Lopez and and Vince Velasquez, you know what I mean? So mm. things are very shaky right now. Championship tender. Yeah, this is not <laughs> how you want to start a season in your championship window, but Rick Hahn knows he's got to make a move. He said uh, earlier this afternoon on Sunday that they, they're going to have to uh, look outside the organization for help. And it, it doesn't make it any easier after Sean Manaya gets dealt from the A's to the Padres, who the Padres are always one step ahead of the White Sox in terms of the next move and building depth and acquiring premium talent. So, of course, it's always the Padres there, but there are some options out there for Rick. But, you know, they, they, they apparently, according to Ken Rosenthal, they were in on the Sean Manaya talks. And that's the name we had heard all offseason. You know, Sean Manaya to the White Sox. You know, the guy's a, he's a region rat. It would have been a great fit. Northwest Indiana guy, but they weren't able to make it happen. <laughs> So now you've got real problems with Lance Lynn being out here, and it could have been a lot worse, but this is a, a season that feels like it could get away from you real quick here. Everyone is healthy on the offensive side. It looks like the, the offense looks really good so far in spring. Everyone seems to be hitting enough. You feel good about that. Eloy seems to be coming back into form, but this pitching staff is going to be tested. You go back to the bullpen, and Joe Kelly's probably not going to start the season uh, ready in that bullpen. So you've got a lot of unknowns here and not a ton of prospect equity to, to get something, but Rick Hahn's going to be busy, I think, here. He said on Friday that he considers the end of the offseason as opening day, and they're going to try to get better through June and July, uh, but I think now that's a, an issue that's got to be sooner rather than later, I think, if you're Rick Hahn in terms of acquiring a, a starting pitcher at least. There it is, White Sox fans. Enjoy opening day, <laughs> your 2022 hey. season. <laughs> hey, but they, but they also, they filled, look, it's funny thing is, like, if you think about it in a White Sox fan lens, like, hey, if I told you this weekend that uh, they filled two out of the biggest three uh, holes on the roster in right field and backup catcher, you'd be like, <laughs> all right, smooth. And then you find out that the backup <laughs> catcher they acquired from Toronto, they traded the former, how many number one picks are we going to get rid of, by the way, in consecutive seasons? They traded away Nick Magical last year. <laughs> they love it. It's their <laughs> now favorite. They, now they traded away Zach yeah. Collins. Yeah. So, so they it's, quiet- the, it's, the, it's the Josh Fields move, I call it. Every single year, you just, you just trade away somebody who was supposed to be good, that White Sox fans told themselves that would be good that was a first yeah. round pick who won't be good for anybody else yeah so they acquire reese mcguire uh, from toronto because they've got a bit of a log jam at the catcher spot up there in toronto really solid left-handed stick and a good defensive catcher and then you find out that he was the- you got a log jam all right <laughs> oh, yeah, that, 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 yeah. that's all reese's issue is that he, he's trying to unjam those logs you know what i think this is a great time right now to take a quick time out and uh, take a deep dive into old Reese McGuire with a special guest. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. 
Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. All right, so Chris is going to read the story to you that we're talking about from the New York Post. You got the tweet, Chris? Uh, yeah, I've got the article okay. here from February 12, 2020. February 12, 2020. Yeah, it was a bad year, 2020, for a lot of folks. And <laughs> it was a bad year for old Reese McGuire before it was a bad year for everyone else here. So you, wonder, okay. you ready? You ready, Pia, to hear this story about the White yeah. Sox backup catcher? And, and, and the... We won't be talking about Reese, per se, but I'll be asking you for... It, it, like, if you were to um, come into contact with someone who... Uh, experience what Reese experienced and how you would best um, advise them with your your expertise. Okay. By the way, hold on, everybody out there listening to the pod. Uh, she needs no introduction, but I'm gonna let her introduce herself so I don't uh, mess up her title. So you don't know my title. Uh, I kind of <laughs> do. <laughs> so 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 here it is. Uh, introduce yourself to the people. I am Dr. Pia Hollick. I'm a psychologist and sex therapist. All right. There it is. You know where this is going. All right. So, Tanny, go ahead and read what uh, the the backup catcher who was acquired by the White Sox today, because uh, I didn't know this about this man until Tannehill sent me the story. Um, so, Tanny, go ahead and read what Reese McGuire uh, experienced not too long ago and how a person like Reese could get help from the good doctor. All right, so New York Post, February 2020, a Toronto Blue Jays player was arrested ahead of spring training for allegedly exposing his penis in a parking lot, according to multiple reports. Cops say Reese McGuire, a 24-year-old catcher, exposed himself inside an SUV in a public parking lot in Dundee, Florida, according to TMZ. Uh, Dundee is the site of the Blue Jays spring training complex. Uh, the parking lot was outside of a strip mall. McGuire was booked by the Pinellas, ah, the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. Misdemeanor exposure of sexual organs. Uh, and then there's a statement from the Blue Jays, blah, blah, blah. They're aware of what happened. But yeah, that that's what it is, Pia. Uh, so this is what the White Sox have here, uh, this, this young man. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, the floor is yours here. Yes. So not necessarily for Reese McGuire, but if sure, someone yeah. came to you with this issue, um, one, when you hear this, what are you thinking? Well, my first thought was this is a player, so he clearly is trying to get caught. He's doing this in a public area. 
That's not my first thought. <laughs> my, my first thought is that he pulled over to a strip mall and had to clean the pipes. You know what I mean? He had to get that. He had to get that evil out of his system hey, before he gripping the bat too tight that week. That, in the that is, yeah, no. pulling the goalie. No, he was jerking off, Pia. That's what I'm saying. Right? He's yeah. clearly going to be caught. He's in a strip mall. Well, he had to he pull over. To you think he wanted to be caught? He went into the most public area possible. See, and exposed I, himself. I think we're talking about the urge and fighting the urge. And I think that's the part that I think you would come into better play because I don't know if he wanted to be caught. Like, so, have you ever dealt yes. with a patient who not just not just wanted to be caught, but like um, who just couldn't control the urge? Yes. But then there's people like even when you have an urge, you take certain protective measures in place. Mm, because so no urge, no urge, like throws that out of the window and it's like, I got to pull over right now and, you know, slap Frankie around for a couple minutes. You're not going to go somewhere like a public strip mall where you're going to easily be caught by onlookers and possibly children and possibly the police. Now, if you're on the side of the road, okay, fine. A little beef stroking off is okay then. I'm not going to say it's okay, but if you're not, if you're, you're by yourself, you're consenting, no one's around, you're not exposing yourself to anyone. This sounds like an exhibitionist. He wanted to be caught. Mm. And how would you, if if a, a person, because we're not talking about Reese McGuire here, but if a person who came to you and was like, Dr. Hollick, this is what happened. How do I make sure that this doesn't happen again? How would you best um, advise this person or if this person is a client of yours and they came to you, a patient of yours, I should say? Well, I would want to know why they don't want it to happen again. Ooh. Oh, I see. Now we're getting, see, this is where the therapy starts to work for you guys is when you start to get these kinds of questions. I didn't know that one was coming. You know, I did. How do we know? Or speak. <laughs> there it is. See, this is why you are who you are. So you would ask, did they want this to happen again? No, I want to know why they don't want it to happen again. You said they're coming to me saying they don't want it to happen again. Okay. So because there's, because maybe there's embarrassment on the line, loss of job, um, potential, arrest, all those things, right? So then I would ask, if all of that was off the table, would you not want it to happen again? Ooh. So if you could pull the goalie without there being any repercussions, would you do it? And what do you think the answer is when it comes to men who have that urge? Well, I don't think it's a cookie-cutter answer. It could go either way. For this individual in this situation, from the little that you know about his story, what would you think is going on with him in terms of if you could strip away all those things and you could just pull over to the strip mall and get it in? Do you, like, how does that, how does that um, inform how you will treat him going forward? Well, I would want to understand if this is a true fetish. And if so, like, how do we do this in a legal consenting way where people aren't getting harmed? Can you go to a dungeon where you can expose yourself and people who are consenting adults can watch you and you can get your shit off going about your day? There it is. Apologize it. See, there it is. I was here to make jerk off jokes. She's advising sex dungeons. Hey, man, I don't know if it gets any better than that. Like, this is why I'm very no, not this, but this is one of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the reasons I'm very happy in my situation because I can just bring stuff like this and I just roll over and say, hey. What do you think of this? And as an actual therapist, I'm rolling over asking. So 
I tried to make this funny. She made it into <laughs> she made it into <laughs> an actual like billable uh, <laughs> you know situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I appreciate you. And if anybody on the Sox uh, has any issues like this going forward, I'm sure they'll uh, they'll be sure to hit you up. Yeah, that's Dr. Pia Holic saying that if you want to pull over and get your shit off, um, you can apparently. Yeah, there it is. All right, I, boy, I tell you. Very lenient with backup catchers jerking off on the side of the road. <laughs> All we want to do is sit here and talk about his pop time, and she wants to hear it, be here and be serious about it. You know, we want to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you do it if you knew you couldn't get caught? Every fucking man would. Every man would. Every man would. What man wouldn't? What man wouldn't want to? You know, feed the geese a little bit before you stepped into a tough interview, or you know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about here? Ah, Venus and Mars. Am I right, fellas? Huh? Huh? Oh, I want to say something really quickly here. may not be quick. We'll see how it goes. Um, there are a lot of legends that have come through this city and have played on many a baseball diamond, a hockey sheet of ice, uh, a, a basketball hardwood, right, or a football field in this city. It, it, we, the city is not short of historic, iconic figures. And there's also the people that bring you those plays, those games, those moments. And this city isn't short of those as, as well. Uh, Pat Foley, Chicago Blackhawks play-by-play guy. And, and y'all can look up for me because, uh, you know, uh, in this moment, I, I don't want to lose my train of thought, but how long he's been doing this. But Pat Foley, much like Hawk Harrelson, much like Steve Stone, much like Jim Durham, Johnny Red Kerr, um, any broadcaster who I grew up with, who introduced me to a sport, who explained a sport to me, who had fun with the sport, who took a sport to the next level, and especially, especially for the Blackhawks, as a young black kid who uh, born in Evanston, moved back to Evanston when I was eight, nine years old, whatever the case may be, and going back and forth to the South Side with my gran- at my grandmother's house and trying to figure out what my sports life was and how I felt about different things. There was one thing that was clear. There was one thing that was evident. There was one thing that was always sure. And it has been, more so than any other broadcaster. You knew Pat Foley was going to bring you Blackhawks hockey. Steve Stone has been with the White Sox. He's been with the Cubs, right? Johnny Red Kerr, God bless his soul, has passed away, right? Jim Dorham was the man when I was a shorty, right? And then went and got the national gig and, and, and went to Dallas Mavericks games, I believe, right? And so he was only there for a short time in my childhood. Um, Hawk Harrelson, God bless his soul, no longer doing it, right? Sox baseball with Wimpy and Hawk was special to me the same way that Blackhawks hockey with Pat Foley and Dale Talon 
or Pat Foley and Steve Conrad or Pat Foley and Ed Olchick. Those groupings, those pairings were special to me because they were Chicago. And as a kid, as a young black kid on the north side of Chicago, trying to figure out, why do I like hockey so much? It was because of the video games. I'm going to keep it real with you. You know, NHL 94, NHL 93, NHL 92, and how good the Blackhawks were, right? And, and, and knowing that the Blackhawks faced off against the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals, and it wasn't a big deal to my friends because of what was happening with the Bulls at the time. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, y'all. Michelle Goulet and Steve Larmer, Jeremy Roenick, Steve Smith, Chris Chelios, right? Dirk Graham, Stu Grimson and the boys. I mean, they, I was a hockey fan before it was cool. And I, and I can legitimately say that because I wanted to know more about the sport that all of my white friends were talking about. I wanted to know more about the sport that the guys on the score were talking about that they only talked about for two or three minutes because you couldn't talk hockey because hockey didn't bring ratings. And all through that time, the Chicago Blackhawks home games weren't on television because Bill Works thought that it would drive fans away from the stadium and onto their couches instead of into the stadium and in those seats. And guess what? He still only had five, seven thousand, eight thousand every once in a while. And then the thing got humming again and then it fell off again. Then it got humming again. But all throughout that time, the only time that I could hear someone describe the Blackhawks home jersey when it wasn't a national game with some local flair and a local feel to it was Pat Foley. Pat Foley has been calling Chicago Blackhawks games since October 1980. I was born November 8th, 1980. Pat Foley is the only voice that I've ever known, the only voice that I've ever trusted hockey-wise, right? And shout out to Judd Surratt, right? Shout out to all the hockey people who have kind of orbited the Blackhawks and orbited the Chicago Wolves in this city. And some, there's been some great voices, some absolutely great voices. But Pat Foley with his call, and yes, don't get, it, don't get it twisted. You hear national guys, you hear guys from other cities, and you're like, oh, that guy technically might be better. That guy, his, his sound might be uh, a little different. His voice might be a little bit more full. I remember Gary Thorne, and you hear that NHL on ESPN uh, theme song. You're like, okay, it's some serious business getting ready to go down here. It's the Sabres versus the Rangers, right? Alexander Mogilny and, and, and Pat LaFontaine against Mark Messier and Brian Leach and the boys, right? Like, there was big-time feels with it. But game in, game out, as a kid, and this is, this is where the connection is real for me. As a kid, I listened to the radio all the time. All the time. I listened to the radio while playing video games. I listened to the radio while contemplating life. I listened to the radio while not doing homework. I listened to the radio all the time. And Pat Foley was right there for me. And I'll, I'll tell you this. One of the first times that I was deeply saddened by a sporting event came because Pat Foley was delivering it to me. It was the Avs and the Blackhawks. I believe it was the Western Conference semifinals where the Blackhawks were up 2-1. to one. And they had a double overtime game I think they lost in. No, a triple overtime game they lost in to make it 2-2. And the Avs won the next, three ga- uh, next two games on, on top of that. So they won three games in a row, and the final game was a double overtime heartbreaker. And this is when Bernie Nichols and uh, and uh, like guys like Enrico Ciccone was on the team. You know what I'm saying? Bob Probert was on that squad. Jeremy Roenick, 
was on that squad. I think it was one of Jeremy's last years. Tony Amati there. Tony Amati, right? Like, this was a real team. Hell, Tony Amati was a 40-goal scorer right after Jeremy left and before he became a Philadelphia Flyer. And I sat there and listened to my radio, and I believe this is when they were on WMVP. They were on 1,000. And I listened to the hurt in Pat Foley's voice as he counted down, not just each second, I'm talking each period, each game, because you felt the momentum shifting. And in that moment, and, and it wasn't just that moment, in that singular moment, but it was one of those reminders of how powerful the medium of radio is and how powerful the medium of audio is when it's not accompanied by the visual and who's bringing that to you and how you hear it and, and, and process it, enjoy it, dread it, fear it. You're hearing the organ in the background. You're hearing the skating. You're hearing a quiet-ass crowd. You're hearing Pat Foley still try to give you the energy, knowing that each game he's feeling like, ah, this this abs bunch, they ain't, they ain't nothing to be played around with. I believe that was, oh, it was 96? 96, yeah, Joe Sackick and the boys. I mean, real, yeah. real team, oh, yeah. right? They had just flipped from being the Nordiques, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years prior. Yeah, Hall of Famer, like Patrick Waugh there. I mean, come on. Them, yeah. Come on. Like, they, they had Claude Lemieux had joined that squad, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken by then. But after that, like, they had a real team. And the Blackhawks just weren't as good. But in that moment, I realized this dude right here has something. And it's something that I've always felt about radio and about coming through the speakers into somebody's consciousness without visual accompaniment. I've had no problem listening to people who I vehemently disagree with as a kid. Understanding where the connection and the entry point happens. It doesn't have to happen in a comfortable moment. It doesn't have to happen. I, I listened to Rush Limbaugh as a kid just because I got home early from school sometimes. I know Rush Limbaugh wasn't saying shit that, that was for me or, 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 or for people like me, but I understood the connection. I understood what he was doing. I understood how he was trying to um, get something out of you. And that's all this is. What do you feel when someone is talking to you or when somebody is describing something for you or to you? And for 40 years, 42 to be exact, Pat Foley has made people in this city feel something. He's described it in a way that we all have come to know and love. The little quirks, the the sayings, the camaraderie, the cantankerous nature of things. I mean. You can tell when Pat Foley's not happy about a broadcast. You can tell when Pat Foley's sometimes not having a great day, to be honest with you. <laughs> but for decades, this man has given you everything you needed when it came to Chicago Blackhawks hockey. There's something to be said for having a voice be the narration for that long of a franchise. And a franchise that means something to people in this city. You know, the Blackhawks have always kind of been the niche group you know, it's, it's always kind of been like the, the quote unquote garage sport where it's like, oh, you know, this is our thing. Stay away from it. And then they blew up. Then they blew up. They got Patrick Kane. They got Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith. They went on a run. They went on a historic run. They damn near and they not damn near. They became America's team. So to hear Pat Foley. Come in the way he came in. For me as a kid. In the late 80s and early 90s, trying to just hear some radio, trying to hear some something, you know, late at night because you couldn't watch the television and you're tired for bed. But I could always have that radio on. And Pat Foley got me through many a night 
<laughs> with the Blackhawks on in the background. So I'll say this because I, I'm rambling now and, and you know, it, I hope it's coming out the way that I intended it. Um, I've met Pat Foley one time. I've interviewed him twice. And all three times I sat back and thought to myself, this is one of the greatest voices in the city of Chicago. All time. You, Jack Brickhouse, Harry Carey, Steve Stone. I mean, hell, we got a, a ton of them right now. I mean, Adam Amin is going to fuck around and be one of this city's great voices of all time. And I mean that when I say it. It's not just he's, he's the homie. Jason Benetti. I mean, you got people comparing that dude to Bob Costas. And I'm not just saying that because he's the homie. This city is, is how made spoiled, of, How spoiled are Blackhawks fans? John Weidman on the radio side. I mean, as good as it gets technically. You know what I mean? And, like, and that's the thing, too. Like, and, and, I, and I'm sorry, but I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't echo that sentiment, right? Like, John Weidman is, as, like you said, as technically proficient as they get and also is entertaining. He's engaging. He can jump into a story, jump out of that story. He allows the play to breathe. He allows the analyst to get his shit off as well. Like, these are the things that, they and I hate to sound like an old guy, they don't make them like this anymore, but guess what? They keep making them for this city. This city is, is in good hands now. It's been in good hands for a long time. For a guy like Pat Foley, he, can, he will probably never, ever hear this, and, and that's fine. I just want everybody to know that it's not lost on a, a kid from Evanston who got a chance to make his name in this industry, in this city, and, and feel the love. I felt maybe a quarter of the love that Pat Foley has felt. And it's, it's okay because it's understood and deserved, by the way. The man has been an institution. Uh, he will go down as one of the greatest voices in this city's history. And for 42 years, he's brought you things that, hell, sometimes the organization didn't even want to bring you in terms of the full product, right? He did that. He was the conduit for all the fans who couldn't make it to the 300 level. He was, all, he was the conduit to all the fan, for all the fans who didn't, hell, think they were invited. We always talk about inviting people to the barbecue and all that other shit. I, I, I didn't think about going to Blackhawks games as a kid. Guess why? Nobody in my community talked about it. But I damn sure was front and center in front of that speaker every single chance I got. Because he made it interesting. He made it entertaining. Even through the lean years, he gave it his all. And he sounded like a dude who enjoyed his fucking job. And that's what I appreciate about Pat Foley. So as he rides off into the sunset in these last few games, Pat Foley, you are one of the greatest. You, you will go down as one of the greatest. And Chicago is very, very appreciative of the time that we got a chance to spend with you over these last 42 years. Where that lane comes that into play pass. right there. Yeah. Like in those other games, that's she was finishing in the lane. The length of, of, the, of the cocks is long. <laughs> you can't help it. Can't help it. <laughs> there it is again. There it is again. <laughs> That's the best part to me. Not even the Cox joke is the best. The there it is again. The second one, like, yep, motherfucker, that just happened. And I'm not going, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to step on it. I'm going to let it breathe. Um, shout out to a good dick joke, right? Like, if you can get that off, especially 
on a woman's broadcast being three ladies doing the game. Like, there's certain... I Listen, I know. And, and for the first time ever, I knew what it was to be a white man in that situation. Because... I know, I know there are a bunch of white folks out there who just want to put their foot in certain words and say certain things and they just can't, right? And, but, but, but maybe when you get the chance to, you're like, aha, I'm going to let it breathe a little bit. Maybe on an email if you're an NFL head coach, you know what I'm saying? But, but the fact that Diana Taurasi said that and just let it breathe, there's got to be some kind of thing like, and you can't do shit about it. Is that how I, I've got a couple of white gentlemen on the line right now with me? Is that how y'all feel anytime we can say the N word in a rap lyric and y'all can't? <laughs> like, is, is, is that what it feels like? I say, Tanny, you can take this one. Jesse, sit this one out. We can watch yeah. the white folks dance on this one. Yeah, I, go I, ahead. I, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is a tough one here, man. Uh, you know, Tanny, your I, thoughts I, on not being able to say the N word? <laughs> Yeah, three, two, one. Uh, <laughs> this thing it goes, to, it goes to show you, like that everyone loves a good dick joke, no matter who you are, no yep. matter you know color, creed, gender. What everyone loves it, and when you have an opportunity, when you have an opportunity, you got to get it off, so to speak. The length of the, of the cocks is long. Like, if if dick jokes are taken away from us, I don't want to live anymore. Right? Like, if you can't find it, and I was so, shout out to the internet, man. Shout out to Twitter. I rarely say this, but shout out to the internet. Shout out to Twitter. I didn't see it on IG. I'm not on any of these weirdo apps like Snapchat or all this other bullshit that y'all are out here doing. Right? Like, if you want to cheat, fucking be a man or a woman and cheat. Stop, stop sending shit that, that, that you know, explodes in, in, in 10 minutes or it doesn't last a day. You know what I mean? Write a letter if you're going to cheat out there, ladies and gentlemen. A handwritten note so you can stand firm and resolute in your poor decision, right? But I don't say this normally, but shout out to Twitter because Twitter accepted the dick joke and ran with it. And, 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 and no pun intended, they played with it. Like, everybody got it off. Everybody did their own little version of it. Sarah Spain came back, doubled down on it uh, tonight as we're recording again, right? I mean, people are watching UConn play and thinking, when is a dick joke going to land? You know what I mean? Like, this is what we need in a country where brothers are slapping the shit out of other brothers and white folks are speaking on it and, and, and we've got these think pieces and now we got to watch the Grammys so we can watch these boring-ass performances and, and, and talk about albums we didn't listen to. If the death of the dick joke happens, then I, I don't want to be around anymore. So for Diana Ter- Razi. Who else is on that broadcast, was by the way? Because I, I, I've only... Oh, yeah, LeBron Sue Bird was on that tonight. joint, if I'm not mistaken, right? I and mean, who, listen, listen. Who was on it? Seasons, Yeah, season's over. Of course he was. <laughs> so, I mean... Y'all ready to... You have an opportunity to to have LeBron on, and then you know the audience is watching. You know what your audience wants, and if you don't think she was going to make that joke again, you are mistaken. Well, it's a game of inches at the same time, so those simple things yeah. are not always so simple. It is a Clearly. it's a game of inches. Ask the Cox. Ask him, and they're taking those inches. And, um, you do know, you, do you take those inches? <laughs> absolutely. When you're on the court. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I didn't hear this. <laughs> So this takes it up another notch now. So do you get in trouble for the doubling down of the dick? Right? Like do you do you do you have issues <laughs> when you when you when you double dick it? Right? Like you can't you can't <laughs> you know what I'm 
Hey, by the way, if Saruti had paws in him, that would have been. Saruti <laughs> yeah. just hit us with an AO, by the way. Hey, yo. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> Take me to dinner, baby. <laughs> Take me to dinner. <laughs> Byron. <laughs> hey, by the way, shout out to Bing Bong Mania, huh? Oh. <laughs> that shit went, went game, right? <laughs> <laughs> that the the New York Knicks were were only so good enough that, that the theme of this season is pretty much the first game against the Atlanta Hawks and Bing Bong Nation being born. But yeah, I, it, what happens now though? Like, does Diane Tarazi get asked to do this? Is she like the lead commentator going forward because everybody's waiting for the dick joke to drop? Like, how do you how do you treat this? Because Doris Burke's Dorsch, like, what the hell? <laughs> right, right. Doris Doris is in a cut. Like, you mean to tell me? For 20 some odd goddamn years, I could have been dropping dick jokes and going viral. I've been sitting here just breaking down the game in, a, in an expert way. Right? I've, been, I've been doing this thing better than most of the men in the industry for the last 10 years. I could have just dropped a dick joke and got up out of here. I could have been to the moon. Right. But what happens now, though? Like, this is this is where you find out. It's kind of like when when. Snoop did the uh, the hockey game. He did, didn't Snoop do like an LA Kings game like two years ago or a year ago or something like that. And everybody's well, this is the, this is the thing. Everybody's like, "Oh man, Snoop did such a great job." And it's like, you want eighty two games of Snoop on hockey? I'm with it. If you win it, right? Like, let, let's go. If we gonna go, Snoop when, did the when Bill Walton did the White Sox game a few years back, exactly. You know? <laughs> like, right? So you're, you're asking yourself, and, and this is where these marketing people and these and these uh, these decision makers twist themselves in knots because it's like, is this a flash in the pan or is this something that's going to be long lasting? I'm sorry if I am the booker for any ESP event going forward, Diana Taurasi is here. You kidding me? Uh, you know, Nathan's hot dog eating contest? Dick jokes for the next 30 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I mean? Like, who, who's the dude? Who's the who's the dude? Who's the, the, the king of eating the glizzies? Uh, what's his name? <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Joey Chestnut. Yes. Joey, what? Joey Chestnut can retire now. I can bring Diana Taurasi in and she can just make dick jokes while everybody's eating hot dogs, right? Like, this is what we need. We need to find out what Diana Taurasi can't do in terms of implementing these jokes. Or, or, <laughs> or we're going to have to deal with a whole bunch of men because a few of them have been on my line. We're going to have to deal with a whole bunch of men who are asking, why can't I get away with that? And this is for all you fellas out there who... The the pe- these are like the people who are like uh you know like the what about Chicago people right like the you know the the people who just need balance and everything and then they start with you you know what I mean let me tell you something fellas go ahead make all the penis jokes you want out there see what happens with your career you know what I mean if it's you're gonna out happen. here it's gonna yeah. happen yeah oh dude I can't wait. Because they can't find all of us, right? <laughs> like, you know, they can't get all, they can't catch all of us. Yeah, somebody's going to have to, you know, somebody's going to have to go down. <laughs> no, no pun intended, right? Somebody, somebody's going to have to take the, uh, uh, no, nah, I'm not going to say that either. Somebody's going to have to get in trouble. But if Diana Taurasi can open the door to a new revolution of broadcasting, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? You had to be a lady to do it. You know, you punk ass dudes out here who's scared of dropping dick jokes on the broadcast. Here is your here is the Harriet Tubman of 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 broadcast right here. And I hate to I hate to <laughs> I hate to uh, 
to compare Diana Taurasi to one of our greatest, uh, you know, ancestors of all time. And I know I'm probably going to get shit for it, but you understand. Walk with me here, right? She is leading you to the new, the new frontier of broadcasting. If Diana Taurasi can get away with it, fellas, I'm telling you, take a chance. It might work out for you. And if not, we'll just get a few laughs out of it. The full goal with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 85 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank our production staff, the always amazing Chris Tannehill, the active Jesse Lopez, and the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti who dropped in on us at the end of this joint. Jesse probably texted me and was like, uh-oh, this is going off the rails. Get in here quickly. So for the guys, I'm Jason Goff. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, join us on Tuesday when we talk to Clinton Yates of ESPN fame of Washington, D.C. fame, of now L.A. fame, right? West Coast Clinton Yates. Talk to him about the sunshine and the vibes and the baseball season coming up and all the other things that Clinton likes to get down with. So we'll be here on Tuesday. If you want to jump in on the full go voicemail line, it's 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. Throughout the week, anything that's on your bird, you could drop it right there. If your voicemail is funny, if it's irreverent, if it's impactful, or if you could string a sentence together, you will probably be on this podcast. So shout out to you on the full go voicemail line. Hit us up at 773-359-3103. So for the fellas, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We appreciate you listening to this thing, downloading this thing, sharing this thing, rating and reviewing it, doing everything that you do for and with this pod. We thank you so much for listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify is the gang. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other and remember to be safe.